two of our Hearing God series. And uh, you should have got a handout when you came in. Anybody didn't get a handout and you need one? Anybody? Everybody got one? Okay, great. Um, so we're in uh, session two, and we're talking this morning on why we need to hear God's voice. Last week in our first session, we discovered that God still speaks today. Now, for most of you here, probably that's not new news. Uh, you know that, and you have a relationship with, with God, and, and you hear Him speaking to you. And, and so we mentioned last week, too, that hearing God and hearing His voice is our spiritual birthright, and it's our heritage. Um, that's what we, who we are. That's what we have. And we learned we cannot even understand the Bible without the assistance of the Holy Spirit as he opens up, explains, and reveals to us the true meaning of the Scriptures to us. We can't understand it without the Holy Spirit. And it's so important for us. And and the working of the Holy Spirit in our life is really called illumination, where he illuminates the Word, he illuminates the meaning to us, and, and, and everything that he's trying to communicate to us. And so if you have some difficulty... Hearing God's voice, there is a um, pamphlet on the back table, um, a bunch of appendix to the, the series, and there's one there, Reasons Why Some People Don't Hear God's Voice, and there's another one there that talks about hearing God, and there's a prayer sheet there to help you in that whole application. There are three more reasons why we need to be able to hear God's voice, and I want to share those with you, and there's even more um, on what you can hear God's voice for, and that's in that same extra handout, a thick little handout in the basket on the information table. We need to hear God's voice so that Christ can function as your Lord and King. We need to hear His voice so He can function as your Lord and King. God is fully establishing His kingdom here on earth. Matthew eleven twelve. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and forceful men lay hold of it. Now, battles and kingdoms require constant communication. Even, uh, you know, a physical battle and a war, there needs to be constant communication between, you know, the strateg- those that are mapping out the strategy and all of There needs to be constant communication And we, too, need to have constant communication with the Holy Spirit in this battle called life. How many know life is a battle? Did anybody have one this last week? Guess what? You may have one this next week. You didn't have one last week, even if you did. And we need to have constant communication with the Lord. There is an enemy, the devil, trying to thwart God's plans to establish his kingdom in your life. 1 Peter 5, 8. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So it's interesting how Scripture uh, shows us the, the similarity between Christ and in, in the, the ways the enemy tries to counterfeit the Lord Jesus Christ. And he tries to be a lion too. But you know what? He's kind of one of those old lions that's lost his teeth. And all he can basically do is roar. His greatest weapon against us is fear. Gets us to be afraid and doubt. And so, uh, but he is a roaring lion and he's seeking and he's looking for someone to devour. Fighting against the enemy requires strategies and plans, requires a lot of communication. 
we're in a constant battle with the enemy. And we don't know how to outwit him on our own. We need God's help via his Holy Spirit and his word. We need his help. God the creator has so much wisdom. And he can see things that we can't see. And he can see beyond uh, today, beyond tomorrow. And he, and he can give us strategies and plans and things that we can be prepared for the things the enemy wants to bring our way. Isaiah 55 verse 8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Probably remember the story in, uh, in 2 Kings where uh, um, Elisha, the story of Elisha and the chariots of fire. The king of Syria had decided to attack Israel. And every time he decided to send his troops to a certain place, Elisha would warn the king of Israel about the secret plan of the king of Syria. The Syrian king soon became furious. And you can read the story in 2 Kings chapter 6. But he became furious and wanted to know who was the person in his group that was tipping off the enemy. Who was the spy? Who was the one giving the information? And his servants responded to the king and said, Elisha the prophet in Israel was telling the king of Israel what the king of Syria was saying in his bedroom. Now, can you imagine that? Here he is. He's the, the king of Syria is making these plans. And Elisha, via the working of the Holy Spirit in his life, was able to hear the plans that were going on. And then he told the king of Israel so he could be prepared for these plans. And uh, we as well, we need to understand the plans of the enemy trying to take us down. Lots of them are revealed in Scripture. And I believe as well the Holy Spirit wants to give us warning and give us passive scripture that we might be prepared for what's going on. Now, David as well understood um, the same principle uh, about God. And this is why he always went to listen for the Lord's strategies to fight his enemy. Now listen, in 2 Samuel 5.19 it says, And David inquired of the Lord. Shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you give them into my hand? And the Lord said to David, Go up, for I will certainly give the Philistines into your hand. And so David's asking, Lord, what should I do? The Philistines are coming. Should I go to battle? And uh, it seems that that's kind of in the spring, kind of when the kings went to war. And so the Lord says to David, Yep, just go. Go straight up and take them on, and everything's going to be cool. Eventually... David won the battle. Eventually, the Philistines returned and came back. So David inquired again. Now, David didn't say, you know, we did it this way last time, so let's go and do it again. He didn't assume that it would be the same answer, and so he inquired from the Lord again, 2 Samuel 5, 23. And when David inquired of the Lord, he said, you shall not go up, but go around to their rear and come against them opposite the balsam trees. And so here now, this time David inquires, it wasn't the same strategy, it wasn't the same plan. This time, instead of going straight up, God says to David, go around behind and come up from behind. And that's what he did and defeated the Philistines again. 
It wasn't the same way. And it was no different for the people of God in the New Testament. Paul, on his missionary journeys, was listening for these same strategies as he advanced the kingdom of God. Acts chapter 16, verse 6. And when they went to the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Mysiah, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysiah, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately... He sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now, was there anything intrinsically wrong with going to minister in Asia and Bithynia? Of course not. There wasn't anything wrong with that. I mean, Scripture tells us where to proclaim the gospel, where to share the gospel. There was nothing intrinsically wrong with that. However, the Holy Spirit had another plan which included another continent, Europe. And so it seems that if Paul would have gone to these other places, perhaps maybe he would have got sidetracked and stayed there, but the Holy Spirit had another plan to take the gospel even farther than what Paul even imagined. And they wouldn't know that until after they had obeyed. God often speaks about the strategies he wants to implement to advance his kingdom. He may speak to you as a family. He may speak to you men as the head of the home. He may speak to you spouses and wives as, as you're dealing with your children and education. And, but God wants to speak to us about the strategies and plans for our lives, for our homes, and for our assembly, and for our communities. God wants to reveal to us by his Holy Spirit what these strategies are. But so often, we don't ask. Maybe we assume But we don't ask. And David inquired of the Lord and and the Apostle Paul on his missionary journey. Listen to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And we too need to listen to what the Lord is saying. Soldiering, Soldiering in the kingdom of God requires that we hear from the King and our Lord. So first of all, we need to hear so Christ can function as our Lord and King. Secondly, we need to hear so that God can function as your Father. So God can function as your Father. God called these friends, Abraham, Moses, the disciples. Jesus taught us in the Lord's Prayer that the relationship goes even deeper. He's called our Father. Now, I understand that some people in our natural world and life here may not have had the greatest relationship with their earthly father. And so sometimes our not so good maybe relationship with the earthly father seems to influence our father, our relationship with our heavenly father. And, but we need to understand that our heavenly father wants to have a relationship with us. And as believers, we are called sons of God. We're called that in Galatians chapter 6, or 3 and verse 26. We're called God's children, Romans chapter 8. Matthew 5.45 says, So that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. Literally in the heavens. So that we might be sons of our Father. God wants to have a relationship with with us as a Father. God wants to have a relationship with you 
and I as a father. John 17, 3. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That they may know you, that they may know you, that we might have a relationship with the Father, we might know him, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Now, we all understand and know that without good communication, you can't have any kind of a great relationship with somebody, whether it be marriage. So often people do not have any communication with their Heavenly Father. People can be Christians for a long time, and you talk to them about a daily devotional life or a time spent with the Lord and allowing Him to talk with you. And yes, most Christians probably spend some time during the week reading the Word. But I want to ask you, and don't have to put your hands up, don't have to speak out an answer. When was the last time you had a two-way conversation with your Heavenly Father? A two-way, where you spoke and listened and He spoke. A two-way communication with your Heavenly Father, where you were in the Word, you were reading, you were praying, whatever. And during that time, you were asking the Lord questions and He was responding to you and answer. And that's what we're trying to encourage us to do during this series is to get yourself a journal and spend time writing down what you sense God is saying to you and the questions you have and the responses you get. And maybe you're reading a certain passage of scripture and what you feel it's saying to you and what you feel the Lord is, is trying to show you and bring you illumination to that passage of scripture. Write it down. It's amazing how things stick to us when we write them down. And how we, we can go back later and be encouraged by what we sense and, and heard God speaking to us about. And so, um, we know what the single greatest problem many fathers have. What's the single greatest problem many fathers have? They don't talk. They grunt. Uh, uh, yep. They grunt. And uh, so, you know, but we need to have communication. Um, it was kind of comical. Last Sunday, there was a guest here, and uh, I guess I was a little bit animated when I was teaching. And so this person asked my wife, is he like that at home? And she said, no, he doesn't talk. <laughs> and uh, I am quieter at home. Not that I don't talk. But I am quieter at home. And, uh, right, hon? <laughs> it's easier if I say it than I have her stand and say it. But, um, but there needs to be communication at home. There needs to be communication in our marriage. There needs to be communication with our Heavenly Father. And that's the whole point. Your Father who is in the atmosphere around you isn't distant at all. A few weeks ago we talked about he is here. He's right here. At home, he's right there. In the car, when you're breaking the speed limit, he's right there. When you're at work, he's right there. When you're at school or wherever, when you're on your computer, he's right there. He doesn't leave us. He doesn't forsake us. As we say, he never lets us down. He's always, always there. And so we can have communication with him 
at any time, and he wants to have communication with us. And he's not silent. He's not a silent Heavenly Father. When you talk to him, he happily responds, and he also takes the initiative to speak if we'll just take the time to stop and listen. Like we said last week, when you have your journal, and you have it open, and you, maybe you've written down the passage of Scripture you're going to read and, and meditate on, and we're going to do a little exercise this morning but uh, in a few minutes, but as you are, are writing and then you're just asking the Lord to show you what that means, you put the pen on the paper, and as the thoughts come, you just start to write. It's interesting. You don't put the pen on the paper, it just seems like thoughts are going everywhere. But when you put the pen on the paper and you begin to write those thoughts, it's amazing how you write and write and write. As you sense God just showing you from the, something from that scripture you've read or an answer to a question you've written down and asked, I just challenge you to try it. And I, I hope some of you were spending at least 30 minutes a day this last week um, just, uh, just practicing listening and hearing God and allowing him to speak to you and reveal to you what his word is trying to say and how he's trying to direct you in your everyday life. And he speaks and he responds to children in ways that are not dissimilar to a good earthly father who will listen to his children. The heavenly father assures his children. Romans 8, 16. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. People who struggle with trying, uh, trying to you know, understand and realize that they are a child of God, they have been born again, they have been forgiven of their sin, they just need to spend some time in the word and time in prayer and allowing God to speak to them through his word and assure them that he in fact uh, understands and recognizes that we are his children. You know how assurance of salvation comes? When he speaks to you. When he speaks to you. Isn't that what a good father does? He assures his children. Isn't that what a good father does to his kids and assure them that you're doing a great job and, you know, you've got great gifts and abilities and, and you're going to go someplace in life and, and uh, you know that your mom and dad love you and they assure their kids. Our Heavenly Father, he wants to assure us that we're his children, that he understands the things we go through and he wants to help us and be there for us. He assures his children. The Heavenly Father also warns his children of danger. In a dream, God warned Joseph of danger to his family, so he took Mary and the baby, Jesus, and they took off to Egypt. And the Lord warned them of danger. Maybe there were times in your life where you just sensed God was warning you of danger. I read a, a story of a, a, a man who was driving on the uh, um, number one highway, the freeway, and uh, it was snowing and blowing, and, you know, as the semis were coming towards him, um, you know, the snow was flying and making visibility very poor, and so he slowed down and, and just kind of stayed in his lane as much as he could see it, and one semi went by, and of course, you know what happens, all the snow blows in front of you, and so he slowed down a little more, another semi went by, and the third semi went by, and the Holy Spirit told this gentleman, he said, pull over, pull over. So he pulled over just as a fourth semi was passing the other semis. And, and so the Lord warns us. Maybe at times you've been warned of danger, warned of something to be aware of, or maybe a business deal where, where you just felt a check in your spirit and God saying, you know, don't touch that one. Just leave that one alone. Warning you of a danger or calamity that could come your way. He warns his children 
of danger. The Heavenly Father also comforts his children. 2 Corinthians 1.3 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our affliction. He comforts us in all of our affliction. I remember uh, just prior to my uh, my brother uh, passing away and and uh, going to his reward in heaven, my my mom was telling me of a dream she had of my brother dressed in, in nice clothes and and so happy and uh, just uh, and everything was just great. There was no no cancer, nothing in his body, and so at the time she thought that. My brother, uh, my older brother, was going to be healed, and uh, yet that didn't happen. But now she knows that, in a sense, God was bringing comfort and assurance to her that he was going to be okay, that he was going to be with the Lord, and everything was going to be fine, and he was going to be looking great. And sometimes we don't know how it's all going to spell out, but the Holy Spirit, through the Father, wants to use the Holy Spirit to bring us comfort as his children. The Heavenly Father also counsels his children. Psalm 16, 7. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. Counsels his children. Or maybe when you're seeking an answer to a question, he'll direct you to a certain passage of scripture that will just affirm what he's trying to say and direct you in your life. There are other ways that God wants to relate to us. As a father, he guides us, he provides, he disciplines us, he teaches us, he motivates us, he protects us, encourages us, forgives us. So many ways that God wants to relate to us as our Heavenly Father. And this this isn't abstract. He has meant it in a literal sense. He really wants to relate as a father to us. He really wants to relate. 1 John 1, 3, And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. He wants to have fellowship. He wants to have a relationship. He wants to have this intimacy with you and I as he is our Heavenly Father and we are his children. But for such incredible fellowship and relationship to occur, we have to be able to hear him. We have to be able to hear him. And understand that he's speaking to us and he's directing us and he's leading us and guiding us and revealing things to us. So we need to hear him so he can function as our Lord and King, so he can function as our Father, and thirdly, so he can be our life. Now the Bible uses two words that are both translated as life, bios and zoe. Bios, where we get our word biology, speaks of our created physical life. All physical life, plants, Animals, humans, all are sustained by taking in. And so we need to bring something into our life. Plants eat stuff out of the dirt and absorb light in order to live. Now, sometimes our kids eat dirt. Remember when they were little and they're playing in the dirt pile and they're eating dirt? Now, I heard a thing on the radio the other day that says, if you try to shield your kids from every little speck of, you know, germs or whatever, you know, they're... Their soother drops and you quickly lick it off and, and uh, you know, they're eating something out of the dirt and you quickly take it away, whatever. And I'm, I'm not advocating your kids going to have a meal in the dirt, but they say the kids that have, you know, partaken of some of the things that are maybe we would shield them from have a greater immune system than those that have been shielded all their life. 
And so, um, you know, plants normally, humans don't necessarily eat dirt, but uh, plants, you know, they, they're in the dirt and they absorb light in order to live. But, and if we don't get the foods and nutrients we are designed to rely on, we die. We need the good, good food and good nutrients and vitamins. And, and friends, you need to eat well. Now, probably today, after church, we're going to have lunch. And probably some of the desserts and things are not the healthiest that you're going to partake of. But that's okay Amen. once in a while. Because uh, I know when you're at home, you eat well. Or you eat healthy, lots of vegetables, and, uh, you know, not so many carbs, all that kind of thing, and you're eating well and healthy. So once in a while, you know, it's okay. But we need to eat healthy and do well. Otherwise, uh, we suffer the consequence. Now, Zoe life is that conscious spiritual personality which you can't see, but it's there. It's the real you. John 17, 3 says, Now this is eternal life, Zoe, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Humans have the capacity to draw on God, much like a plant has the ability to draw on light in order to flourish. That's how we were created. We were created to absorb life and nutrients in our relationship with our Heavenly Father through Jesus Christ and by His Holy Spirit. We were created to absorb life. Jesus said He came to give us life and that more abundantly. And so we were created to absorb this life from our Heavenly Father, and we need to have that relationship in order to do so. John 15, 5, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do? Zippo, nothing. Apart from him, we can do nothing. But what exactly is this food or this fuel that we need from God in order to thrive? The devil came to Jesus. We know the story. As he came and he, t- he came to tempt the Lord Jesus. As he had been uh, fasting and, and praying. And so the enemy comes to, to tempt Jesus. And uh, he says to him, you haven't eaten in a long time. You better eat. Command these stones to turn into bread. Now Jesus' response, paraphrased, basically he says, you're wrong. I have been eating. I've been feeding on my father's words, and that's why I'm strong enough to resist your temptation. It wasn't that he wasn't feeding. He was feeding in a whole different realm. Matthew 4, 4, it's written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, how can Jesus' words possibly give us life, never mind life to the full? How can they give us life? How did God create the world? Tell me. How did he create the world? He... Spoke it through a word. Psalm 33, 9 says, He spoke it through a word. And at the end of time, he will overcome the nations with a word. He created it all with a word. And in the end, he'll overcome the nations with a word. Now, those are very different kinds of words than the ones you and I generally use. We use words to express thoughts, ideas, wishes. But Jesus' words actually carry out those thoughts and wishes. Amazing. Bringing life as his words. John six sixty three. The spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. 
The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. His words actually accomplish what he's intended. Isaiah 55, 11. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Now, in some mysterious way, Jesus abides in the very words that proceed from him so that they actually accomplish and achieve what is spoken. That is incredible. He actually, he abides in those very words that proceed from him so they actually accomplish and achieve what he's spoken. Now, if his words enter us, then as we speak them, they too bring life and achieve what God intends them to achieve. They're no longer just our words, but they're his words. And they accomplish what he sent them to do. Guess what? Jesus, the word, guess what he's doing right now? Hebrews 1.3. The sun is the radiance of God's glory. And the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Can you imagine the chaos there would be if he just removed his Holy Spirit from the earth and his spoken word from the earth? Everything right now is being sustained by his word. Everything is being sustained. It makes all the difference in the world. Remember when Jesus was asleep in the boat? His disciples were there and, you know, uh, trying to get this boat across the water. And the storm raged around them. And the disciples, in a panic, they wake up Jesus. Now, none of you would be panicking like this, but they panicked. And they said, Master, don't you care that we're going to perish? What did he do? He calmly gets up. Like most of you in the middle of a crisis, you calmly survey the situation, right? Right? This is not foreign to you, right? This is just natural process, right? He just calmly gets up, looks around. He rebukes the wind and the waves with a word. (laughs) With a word. And it was completely calm. Incredible. I don't read there, and I'm not trying to read anything into it or not try to read it into it, but he doesn't... Say he's wringing his hands. He doesn't say there he's saying, Father, this has really caught me by surprise. What should I do? He's not, you know, um, he's not three sheets to the wind, you might say, a phrase. He's not, you know, he just calmly gets up, rebukes the wind, and it's calm. On another occasion, using a word, he offered peace to the souls the inner man of the disciples. My peace I give unto you. Just offers peace. John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You know, I I just want to pause here for a moment because there's somebody here this morning and you you need to just read that verse in your notes a few times. I believe that Jesus, by his Holy Spirit, wants to speak peace into your life. 
something's going on, there's some stuff happening, and, and you're just, you know, um, trying to weave your way through this maze of circumstance situations. And, and I just think we've got to pause here for a moment and, and just say, okay, Lord, you spoke the words to the disciples. Everything written here for my example, and I want to take it as you speaking to me right now. And I receive by faith peace. In the midst of the storm you're going through, in the midst of the uncertainty or the midst of confusion of whatever decision you might need to make, whatever it is, I just want to speak his peace to you. And just receive his peace. Just say, Lord, it's your word. You spoke it then, you're speaking it now. And I want to receive it into my life. Peace. I want to encourage you as the enemy tries to get you all geared up and worked up. You say, Lord, I thank you for your peace. I receive your peace. Maybe sing a song or a chorus about peace or about his presence. We sang this morning on his presence. Because in his presence, not only is there fullness of joy, but there's amazing peace. Knowing that he's in charge. And we have a relationship and can have a relationship with our Heavenly Father where he looks after. He assures us, he comforts us, he protects us, he guides us as his children. He's an incredible, incredible God. And he desires to rebuke the raging seas and bring peace with a word to your soul. That same creative word, same creative word, can put courage and peace into your life even if the circumstances continue to rage around you. Remember when the Lord came to Gideon and said, be of good courage. Be of good courage. Take courage, you courageous man of God, man of valor. And he's hiding in the wine press. God says, be of good courage. I want to feel with my peace. I want you to know I'm there with you. I'm a good heavenly father. I want to talk with you. I want to have a relationship with you even when things around you are seemingly out of control. Remember when Paul was arrested in Jerusalem? In the process, he had been almost torn into pieces. You can read about it in the book of Acts by this violent mob. Now, I don't know what that would do to you, but if there was a violent mob and they came after me and they were violent and trying to tear me apart, I think, I think I'd be somewhat concerned and probably... Fearful? And see what the word does to him in Acts 23, verse 11. The following night, the Lord stood near Paul. He's in prison. He says, take courage. As you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. Paul couldn't turn his fears into courage on his own. But when Jesus stood near him in that prison and spoke a word of courage into his heart, can you just imagine how those fears would have subsided? (laughs) Hey, don't worry, Paul. They're not going to rip you apart in Jerusalem. They might in Rome, but not in Jerusalem. You are going to get to Rome. Now, he didn't say how many pieces he'd be in getting there or what condition he'd be in. He just said, you're going to get to Rome. You're going to testify to me there too. So obviously he was still going to be able to speak, to communicate, but he was going to get to Rome. Be of good courage. He never intended for you to work up encouragement 
or go and find it somewhere else. I say that again. He never intended you to work up encouragement or go find courage somewhere else. We don't find courage, you know, in some pill bottle. We don't find courage in some liquid bottle. We don't find courage on the internet. We don't find courage wherever. We find courage in the presence of God. And he wants you and I to be of good courage because he wants to be our courage. As we sang this morning, again, such a great song. He's the lion and the lamb. He is our encouragement. He's your encouragement. And by speaking his living word into you and into me, we get courage. Courage builds. Encouragement builds. And you begin to rise up again and say, yes, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. We are more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ who loved us. We are going to get through this situation because he is our courage. And often, he wishes to calm the raging circumstances with a word as well to you. And as you spend time in his word, he wants to, and you, you've experienced that, I know you have. You've been reading the word, and all of a sudden, maybe a verse you've read many, many times, it just kind of, it's in neon lights, and there it just kind of strobes in front of you. And wow, as God just speaks something into your spirit, his word obliterates obstacles and removes mountains. His words are our food. They're power-packed with him to give you life, hope, joy, peace, love, understanding to your troubled soul. Whether he changes the circumstances or not, it doesn't matter what the circumstances are or they never, ever change. What changes is inside of us. And he gives us a peace that passes all understanding. Now that's life. And that's exactly what Jesus meant when he said in John 10.10, I come that they may have life and have it abundantly. He not only sustains the the world with his words, he desires to be your sustainer and mine as well. He wants to sustain us with his word, with communication, with talking, with relating to us how much he cares for us, how much he loves us, how much he wants to guide and direct us. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When our inner man has fed on his words and our soul has been strengthened and energized with his divine peace, hope, courage, and joy, Isn't it true that the burdens that seem so heavy don't seem so heavy anymore? It's called rest. But to have that kind of life, we have to be able to hear God. Our society, we're so busy. We are rushing here and rushing there, and I'm not talking about a nationality. We're just in a hurry. We're going here, there, and everywhere, And so busy, so occupied with so many things, good things, generally, and no time 
to listen and hear God. What a tremendous gift that God offers to you and to me. The life of his son to pay the debt and the penalty for our sin and remove the guilt. And then he says, I won't just forgive you for what you've done. But he's saying, I give myself into a relationship with you. I just don't want to give you fire insurance that you're going to escape hell and go to heaven. I want to have a relationship with you. Yes, I paid the price for your forgiveness, but I want to give myself into a relationship with you and the abundant life that comes with that relationship. The abundant life. Have you ever noticed, maybe you have, I'm sure you have, you ever noticed when you're in the presence of certain people, you're always, always happy. It's like, like when I see Hudson and he's with Becky and, and uh, you know, it's, when he comes into Becky's, you know, aura, you know, there's something happens in his, you know, all those kind of things, and he's happy. But when he's at home and he's just with his brothers, it's different. Come on now, I, I had one brother, not two, but um, not that they're not happy. But you know what? Sometimes when we come into the presence of some people, you know, we're just happy. It's just a great atmosphere. And then you know, no reference here now, then you know when you go into some other person's atmosphere, they just suck the life out of you. You ever been there? Don't poke anybody. You ever been there? They just kind of suck the life out of you, and you just can't hardly wait to get away. You know, and that's just, that's just how some people are. Some people are those that kind of give life. Some people are those that just kind of suck life out of you. But God gives you life every time we're in his presence. He's never sucking it out of you. He's always pouring in. He's always giving us life. Because he said he wants to give us life and that more abundantly. And so as we spend time in his presence, we spend time in his words, spend time listening and hearing him and allowing him to speak into our life. Guess what? We are, we are receiving and achieving greater abundant life because he's never a life sucker. He's a life giver. And he so wants us to spend time in his presence and develop this relationship and have a relationship that he's speaking into our life and we're allowed to speak with him and, and he answers our questions and he shows us things in his word. He shows us things to come and what's going to happen and how we can be prepared against the wiles of the enemy. He loves you so much. He doesn't want us ever to feel alone. He's always there. Always, always there. And he wants that relationship with us 24-7. Now, as we said last week, we hear the word, we hear the scriptures, we hear the encouragement and what God, but we don't want to just be a hearer of the word. We also want to be a doer of the word. And so it's not noon yet. So just relax. And um, we haven't even worshiped God with our offering yet. Because I just really wanted us to spend some time, just a few minutes, not a whole, not a long time, just a few minutes, 
And in your um, handout, there's a thing called practicum, um, meditation question and conversation. And uh, Psalm 121 is on the screen. Um, verse 1 to verse 8. I just want to read it to you. Um, and while I'm reading it to you, I, I want you to think about... I remember years and years ago when uh, we were homeschooling our son. And uh, in homeschooling, uh, for the years that we did, we, we did an exercise with him on meditating on Scripture. And the, I'll never forget it. It just really impacted me as well. And so we were meditating on Scripture. And the encouragement as we were meditating on Scripture was to draw, um, you know, stick pictures, whatever, of, of what the verse was. And it was the exercise was trying to teach us to meditate on Scripture like a cow chews its cud. Any of you farmers or ranchers, you know, when a, when a cow eats grass, it goes into in the kind of one stomach, and then it comes up, and, you know, it's got a number of different stomachs, and kind of an uncomfortable topic just before lunch, but in it goes, and up it comes, and they chew their cud. So meditating on Scripture is like a cow chewing its cud. You're just kind of thinking about it, and tucking it away, and thinking about it, and tucking it away, and thinking about it. So I, I just want you to think about the Scripture as I read it, and just kind of meditate on it, and perhaps there's going to be a portion of the psalm that that maybe it just kind of jump out at you or a phrase or some words that God just wants to share something with you this morning. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he watches over Israel. Will neither he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. And as you read the scripture, and I want, here this morning, I just want you to take a few minutes. And I want you to, in, in your little handout, I want you to, it'll be on the screen, you can read it there, it's just I think the reference in your handout. But the verse is there, and I want you to just kind of carefully and just prayerfully read and reflect, meditate on this psalm. And just take your time and maybe read it over a few times, or maybe you'll only get one verse, or maybe just one phrase. And I want us to be open this morning to what the Holy Spirit wants to say to you. I want us to let God speak to us about anything he wishes. Anything. It's just kind of an open-ended conversation with the Lord. Not necessarily a specific question about direction and life or anything else. Just as you're going to read to say, Father, I just want you to speak into me. What is it you want to say to me this morning? A word, a phrase, an 
encouragement. What is it you want to say to me? And as you are just meditating on this song, if there's a verse, a word, a phrase, this kind of seems to stick out to you, write that portion in your notes. Just write it, write it down. And um, once you've written it down, whatever it is that just kind of seems to stick out to you, then why don't you take a couple minutes and just engage in a written conversation with the Lord. It may be a phrase, and you might say, well, Lord, what is it you're trying to show me? And then write the thoughts that come. How does this apply this week? Write the thoughts that apply. Is there anything else you want to say to me, Lord? Write down the reply. And just allow that conversation. So we're just going to kind of practice this morning and encourage you to take a few minutes and just to do that. And just a couple of minutes. And I wonder, Anthony, I didn't give you a cue there, but is there some soft worship music we can just kind of put on while people are, are just... Um, allowing God to speak to them. So just take a couple of minutes and let's do that here this morning. And, and let's not anybody move around now. This is a, a moment where each person just needs minimum distractions and just allow God to speak to them.
Sometimes if we're not used to doing something like this, silence seems like an eternity. And the clock just ticks so slowly. It's like waiting for water to boil or for the toaster to pop up the toast. It seems like it goes on forever. But just kind of a few short minutes that we did that this morning. I want to encourage you this week to do that, and in, the, in your notes, there's a number of psalms if you want to take different psalms for each day of the week. And just do the very same thing and just kind of read it. First of all, just say, Lord, I just want you to speak to me. I want to hear you. I want to have a conversation with you. I want you to talk to me through your word. And begin to read the psalm, and if there's something comes out, you know, write it down. And maybe ask the Lord, Lord, what are you trying to say to me? What are you trying to show me? Begin to develop this relationship with the Father and with the Lord and allowing the Holy Spirit to reveal to you the heart of the Father and how he's with you wherever you go, everywhere you go. And I want to encourage you again. I, I have no problem if you want to email us and just let us know what's happening in your life. Maybe you've got a question or uh, want further clarification or something and uh, maybe hit a roadblock or whatever and, and you just need to bounce something off of somebody by all means uh, Call us, talk to us, send us an email, question on, on through our website, whatever. But don't stay in a period of limbo or whatever and, you know, maybe it'll pass, whatever. We just want to encourage you. And as people in, within Northwest Family Church and, and folks who attend, we just want to encourage you to, to cultivate this relationship. There was a conversation, a real-life conversation a person had, and um, I want to just uh, share this with you. Um, decades earlier, this person had unintentionally made a vow telling his to-be wife that he expected to die before he reached the age of 40. So God's Spirit directed the conversation so that it went straight to the deep root in his life that was causing him some trouble. And here's the verse that kind of spoke out to him, and he began to meditate on Mark chapter 3, verse 5 said, He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their hardened hearts. So he read that verse, and then he asked, Is there something you're trying to say to me? And God said to him, You don't have a hardened heart, but I want you to go deeper into me relationally. So he said, Teach me a way to go deeper with you. And God said to him, press on. And he said, please clarify. God said, continue with the process. Do it also in the evening. He asked God the question, how do you see my heart? Interesting, God said to him, pink, healthy, and athletic. He said, what do you mean athletic? God said to him, go the distance. He said, what do you mean? He said, you're going to live as long as I say you're going to live. We can have a conversation with God, and he can answer the questions of our life. And I just want to say, I believe it's important that you continue to practice hearing God. If it's not a regular occurrence in your life, endeavor to try to spend 30 minutes a day. It may seem like an eternity to start with. But I really believe that as we continue, we're going to find it rewarding, exciting. And so spend 30 minutes a day on the homework. Meditate and journal on your conversation with God 
on those psalms that are listed. You don't have to just do those things. You can do something else if you want, but just kind of to, to help you. And before you start, just ask the Lord to reveal his word to you. It doesn't take a long prayer of pleading God. Please, just say, simple prayer. God, I'm going to read some scripture here, your word, and just ask you to speak to me. And as he shows you the wonderful truths and things about your life, write them down in your journal. Be amazing at how encouraging it is. And as you go back over time and you read those again, and, and God reiterates those things again to you. And, and days when maybe things aren't going so well, you go back to the things that God spoke to you. Why do you think the nation of Israel was told to tell their kids and rehearse with their kids the things that God had done? It's important for us. We used to sing an old hymn, Remember? Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. It is, it is a great thing to rehearse the goodness of God. And so I just encourage you to, to, um, to do that. And um, I know God's going to bless you for it. We have on the screen some scripture verses we want to read together. Um, and a declaration before we receive our tithes and offerings this morning. So...